Welcome to the Homeowners Institute. I'm your host, Fred Gutierrez. Today, we have a conversation with Lynn Taylor. Lynn is a residential home designer in Nashville, Tennessee. We talk with Lynn about how she developed her business by trying to find efficiencies to save her and her clients time and energy. Lynn is the perfect fit for her clients, and she's been able to create a network where owners can find her, learn from her, feel like they really know her before they commit to working with her. There are many advantages in this system for both the owner and for Lynn. I think this episode is great for the whole project team to listen to. What it teaches us is to be confident on focusing on your best work, the work you enjoy, and let the world know that's what you do. This is generous and will allow people to find you and align with you. Please enjoy my conversation with Lynn Taylor. I usually start these conversations with a question about your childhood home. Well, so it was, uh, we lived in a little tiny apartment until I was about two and my father, I think he built a little three bedroom brick ranch um, okay. on about 15 acres. And then he uh, added on to it. It's a rural middle Tennessee town uh, and the house was never finished. <laughs> Oh, there's always something to do to it. Like I can remember the brick seals were never laid on the window, some of the wooden right. seals. And I think about that on my own fixer upper because I own a duplex and it's like a fixer upper kind of thing. Yeah. I'm just kind of slowly doing it out of my pocket kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I always like houses before they're finished or most construction sites for the artist in you, it's always got potential, but then as you finish it, it's like all the, all the questions are answered. Yeah, very simple brick ranch. It is not. Yeah, I, I grew up in a Florida block. Oh, okay. Yeah, cement block home, three bedroom. And it had, what I liked about it is it had these transoms above the doors to circulate air. But as a kid, they felt like you could open them up and talk to people in other rooms. And it was just kind of a fun thing. Well, my father also built a swimming pool in the backyard. He built a boat. So he was all, he was creative in his own ways. Right. And I remember helping build a pool. I was out there and he had the heavy equipment. And he had to just figure out how to dig the hole and get the car. Yeah. Just... And keep the water in it. <laughs> so uh, we built, he built a cabin down on the Tennessee river at one point, And I was probably about eight or nine then. And I remember carrying two befores and block and we were just, you know, so uh, just around yeah. a lot of building. Yeah, it's a great childhood. Yeah. Yeah, really. I love we're lucky. Uh, yeah. I love going to I went with him to work, you know, a lot. It was so much fun uh going to job sites when he was doing stuff. I like what I'm doing now. So I like the interaction with homeowners and stuff. I will say this about my work. I think everybody should think about what they like about the work. And I think that will kind of dictate the types of projects and clients is about five years into my business, I figured out that what I really love to do, and I could do this in anything, if it served the purposes and I loved it, is like, my job needs to help people. My work needs to be creative and problem solving. That's kind of what drives me. And so whatever I do business-wise, that kind of needs to be the thing. 
I think architects need to be very focused on what they're offering. And I think that's what's really special about what you do is you know exactly who you can serve. You don't try to pretend that you're something else. I don't. And I think that's very good for owners because they can find you that way. Their projects find you because either it's a Rolodex moment with somebody that knows you and says, well, you just need Lynn. Yeah, that's what people say. You need to call Lynn. That's what people yeah, say. Yeah, well, that's what it is because they know that you're going to solve that problem and you're not going to bring something else to the table. And I think that's what happens with a lot of architects that aren't focused on a particular type of project is they bring their own baggage to projects and it's not fair to owners. No, and I'll tell you what I see, and this is a very simplified idea about this, but what my business, I serve people. I I care about um, the homeowners. The homeowners are kind of number one, right? What do you want? Whatever you want, whether it's a brick ranch, a historic house or a modern dwell home, it's not my house. So I'm there to serve them and their needs, their architectural needs. And I feel like what I see architects is that they're there for the architecture. They care more about the architecture design than they do about the homeowner's needs. And I see a lot of them miss the boat. They'll present something like the Taj Mahal design. And then the homeowner just needed a $250,000 addition, right? So if my clients want to go to another level, I can take them there, but that's normally, they're just trying to get to a certain point, you know, from A to B to C. I hear architects, you know, I talk to architects and stuff that do things, and a lot of them don't like working for homeowners, and a lot of them draw things they don't want to draw. Right. And I love all kinds of projects. I love diversity, and I'm not um, an architectural snob. I work on a brick ranch edition or... I have worked on a million dollar addition renovation. It's, it's, um, it's more about the homeowner and the client um, than the type of project, but that's me. Right. That's what I want to do. Uh, that's what my priorities are. So I'm not telling everybody else should be doing something, but I think people need to be honest because I think there's room out there for architects who just want to do whatever architectural design they want to do. You know, there are homeowners out there and over the years, probably one out of 10 people who call will ask about what type of style do I have? What kind of architecture do I do? And that's become very, you know, less and less over the Mm -hmm. years because I feel like it's not about me. Right. But you also have a body of work that people can reference and they can say this, this is something that I'm comfortable with and I understand it and it may not fit into a certain style but it fits into a certain category. Yeah. And what I also love about, and I haven't looked at your website recently, but I think this is what you do, is you you propose solutions for people that that vary. Like if, if you're going to do a, a backhouse building, I've done these before, and here's some options that I've done. Maybe we don't start from scratch and we start with something I've already invested time in, mm-hmm. and it's going to save you a lot of time and effort because it's, right. it's where it's where most homeowners end up in those typologies of project. Right. I do a a lot of stock plans and I have a database. And when I first started out, like the first five years of my business, I remember people thought I had a ton of staff, right? They just thought, I'm like, no, it's just me. But I created systems from the E-Myth book I read. I did have an office with employees at one point and they helped set up standards. And there's no use in redesigning that label for a detail. 
I mean, there's no reason to move all that around. And so I got my system set, my database set, so that then I can really focus on design and better building practices or energy efficient versus moving things around on the plan. Now, everything has a place and that's how I approach it. So I can focus more on the client. And so that's the only way I can produce so much work mm-hmm. a year is because I don't redraw things. I have everything set up. Uh, right. And, and a homeowner can save money if they want to just buy a garage stock plan, but we still right. are able to look at the components and I show them photographs and they say, no, I don't want that. Yes, I want that. Can we do it differently? What I like to do on my website is there's a lot of words on it and it is uh, outdated. I, I've got to start moving towards updating it, but everybody's been moving to the flashy pictures and stuff, but the words and the, the articles and stuff on there, I want, this is something people don't hire you right away. They usually like follow you for a year or two because these are projects they only do once or twice in their lifetime. Right. And so they, uh, they'll read everything on the website. I'm shocked. And I have people tell me that all the time. And they pre-qualify themselves for me. They are educated before they call me. Yeah. And there's a word for it in terms of getting to know somebody online versus in person. And I think the way that you've set up your website with the videos and the way you present things is you're very sincere about who you are. You're not painting like a picture of like, I'm this, you know, 30 person firm doing all these things. You're very direct. And I think people can, when they meet you for the first time, they feel like they met you before. Yes, I, I do get that. I, um, I, I know that I have, I get the charm and charisma from my parents and just being my authentic self. I can't really hide this. It's just, I'm just me. And, right. you know, and I'm not for everybody. There's occasionally someone will call me and it's like oil and water on the phone call. And I'm like, right. we both agree you know, without saying that this is not a good fit. So, and I don't take it personally when they go hire someone else because right. I want it to be successful no matter who they hire. Right. That's how I feel. Right. It's usually mutual. I mean, you have to feel comfortable as the architect that with the owner that they, they, they trust you and you trust them. And, and getting to that trust is kind of the, this thing that I talk about is how do you get there quickly on a project? And I think it happens before they even meet you. It's understanding what you do clearly and seeing evidence that you're doing it repetitively and for people that are like them and that builds trust. So I think that's, that's how you, you start that trust building. So it's almost more important for you to trust the client once you meet, because yes. they may have trust, they might trust you more than you trust them at that point. Uh, they, and I yeah. say that, I, I say that, sorry, I say that because it's really important. If you can trust the client, then you're more open to be generous in your proposals to them. And that sounds a little convoluted, but it's really important because people that are afraid of a contract or a relationship will put up these hidden fences within the, the work. And it, it's just always going to cause constraint. Yeah, I um, I am stra- a straightforward person in my general life. And I've had clients tell me I'm abrupt. So I, I mean, I'm just straightforward and I can only promise to be honest and fair with you. And you might or might not like what I have to say, but I'm just going to give you all of it. And then you decide. And over the years, you know, I with dealing with homeowners after they've hired the contractor, there are so many things they don't tell contractors that they tell me. And, I, and I'm sure there's some people who have told contractor stuff that they don't tell me, but I see it more on, um, they just won't tell the contractors what they're thinking, even if they're mad or uh, they think their employee is incompetent. I've seen that. Can you talk a little bit about why that might be? Yes. 
it's a psychological thing. I don't think it has, to, well, first of all, contractors, they're already behind because they have a bad reputation. So a good contractor has to overcome all the other bad contractors in the world, right? Because they're just mm-hmm. lumped into them. And, and, and so they have that, they have to start building trust. You know, a Hallmark can hire them, but they still got to build trust all the way through the whole project, right? Right. Uh, but really what the issue is, is I found that there's a, most people in the world do not like conflict. What is conflict? We, I think conflict is me yelling at someone and getting mad and then having to have that conversation in a kind of loud uh, or assertive conversation type of thing. Right. Because I grew up in family, we're very vocal and we're just, you know, loud kind of people. So it takes a lot for my conflict to get up. Some people feel like it's conflict if they have to say no. And you have to understand where your client is and um, be able to intuitionally know whether they're telling you everything or they're not. I can sometimes sense when people aren't telling me everything. And I will ask in different ways, like, are you... I think there's something you want to say. There's something yeah. you haven't told me yet. Is there a reason? And so I think it's more of that conflict. People don't like conflict and conflict can be as simple as even having to say yes or no, or and they you, can. And you pick it up. Yeah. You pick that up as the designer. Cause you have this longer relationship with the owner in terms of them giving you feedback on things. And then you also see in the way they live or how they react to other questions gives you the insight on how they might react to another one and the builders come in later in that and they don't have that same opportunity no. and here, here's the real challenge is like when the designer architect are cut off and then it's just the builder it it's always been a challenging relationship because it's great that the owner and the builders start getting that strong relationship but the architect or designer gets cut out of that in a way yeah. So I've, I've had architects talk to me about that being challenging how it is to do construction well, administration. And, uh, I don't see my, I, the way I go about it is I'd like to keep a close circle of contractors that I trust and we're on the same page. We will usually have drinks or lunch a couple times a year and they know that I don't get any referral fees. They also know that if they don't take care of the clients and they do some really bad stuff, I, they're off my list. They're, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I will not refer them. And my clients trust whoever I tell them to hire. And sometimes they will just tell, ask me, tell me who to hire. And I'm like, no, no, I can't tell you who to hire. We're going to bring three to the table and you, you're going to pick from those about personalities and processes and that kind of thing. Um, but they are cut off from that. And it's kind of like, I'm always amazed. I'll draw up very complicated drawings, maybe 12 pages. And then I just throw it at the contractor and here, go bid on it. And I'm thinking how hard that's got to be to just take a set of 2d and I'll figure out what's going on in those drawings, because I've been living with it, like with the homeowner for months and months. And we know each other, we become familiar. And I know the house, like the back of my hand. And they're kind of thrown in that relationship the same way. They're like thrown into like a dating situation without even knowing anything about the homeowner, right? Some people 
have had bad experiences with architects. Early days, I got this. Are you an architect? I mean, it's a very, and I'm like, I'm not sure which way this is going to go. <laughs> this is just like, that's, that's how I feel. Every time I hear that, I haven't heard it in a while, but, and I'm like, no, I'm a residential designer. I'm not a licensed architect. I'm not an architect. Right. So that's actually an asset for you in some ways. It is actually because yeah. most of the people that ask that question do not want to hire an architect because they've had a bad experience. In my opinion, the bad experience is just what you said earlier is that the architects don't know who they're serving and what they really want to do. Yeah. Like what kind of projects do you want to really do? Like there are certain things I won't do. Like there's some really beautiful McMansion design and some of that is just so gorgeous. There are certain details. I don't know how to draw that. I'd have to right. do a lot of research and get out of my wheelhouse. And I just refer that work to other people. I don't right. do that. Um, right. And you have to be I willing to do that at the expense of your owner. Yes. And, yeah. and uh, I am blessed that I have a lot of people beg me to do their project. I yeah. don't understand why sometimes like it's just design. Why are you? Right. I mean, it, but they get attached, you know, um, and they want you to do the work. And you're like, I just, you're too far. You're in Texas. I can't help you renovate your house. I, you know, uh, so I think architects could really benefit from trying to figure out what they really, really want to do as far as project types and homeowners and define that and put that out in the universe and then just do that work. They may have to do some work if they're really new that they don't want to do, but they really need to move uh, closer to doing what they want. Same thing applies to builders as if they can create that information on their website or with their social media or their brand name so that owners start to understand how they work and how they relate to people, how they answer questions, how they really live. Like they can start to build that trust before they meet that person and feel more comfortable letting go in some responsibilities or management of them because they feel like they know them. Yeah. Do you think that but that when you have that on the, are you saying like with my website, people will read all that, the videos, and then feel like they already know me? Is that what exactly. you're saying? And I, yeah. I often wonder why contractors don't do the education on their website. Like, they need to. Like what a change order is. Look out for that. Yes. Allowances. I mean, I do that with homeowners. I explain the contractor's process a little bit, the allowances, yeah. the change orders, contracts. We talk about all of that, but I don't know. It'd be easy to do that once it's on the website and call it a day. Yeah. I mean, um, and then they can just go reference that and save everybody a little bit of time. Yeah. Yes. And it's also about language too, because I never right. say they're going to hire me when I'm on the phone. My right. language indicates that you might hire me if you hire me. But the other thing in the, the information, I, this, is the, this is where I see people drop the ball when they give information. Like when I do my talk about how to interview and hire residential designers and architects, I'm going to talk about how a lot of people work. I'm not going to just go right. there and talk about what I do and how I do it. Right. That's, right. That's, that's useless for a homeowner. I think homeowners need to, contractors need to talk about how lots of different people do their business. When you talk about it like that and you explain why you do it your way, I explain why I do right. it my way and the reasoning why, then you are the expert in their mind. Right. You have planted right. the seed that you're the expert if they can relate to that and that's what they want, right? Right. 
Like when you explain your business and you're the why you do it that way, the homeowner goes, yes, that's what I want. That will solve right. my problems, right? I'm still working on that. <laughs> we all are at some point. We all are, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but I, I do, I, I hate it. I hate it to go to a speaking thing and the person just talks about what they do and how they do it. They don't reference <laughs> anything different. And uh, I think they missed the boat. So, they miss an opportunity to seal the deal. Right. I think there's this fear of niching down and saying this is your ideal client because you feel like they're going to self-edit and not come to you. But if they understand who your ideal client is, they can, they can say, well, I'm mostly that. And then, so you can solve that problem. So I think it's a, it's, it is a scary thing for a business owner to say, you know, I only serve people in this neighborhood of Nashville building so many square feet, you know, at a certain dollar value. That's not going to get me the 4,000 square foot, you know, $2 million house, yeah. which I think I want, but you don't know if you want it or not. Cause you haven't done it yet. Right. Right. And I'll you tell know? you this, I don't want it. I don't right. want to design. Of course, now almost everything's a million dollar house. I don't I want that upper market. I'm just, it's not me. Right. I, I'm just not a button up tight. And there's nothing wrong with those people. I'm just saying there's a difference. No, no. Uh, there's a place need, for everybody. They need someone that's going to, they feel comfortable with and is right. serve them a different way than I do. Right. I'm very clear about what I want to do, what I don't want to do. And I do see a lot of business people who don't. Um, yeah. And and I, rem I remember one woman architect I was talking to, and she just wanted to do new house designs, but she was doing a lot of additions, renovations. And, and when you're doing stuff that you don't really want to do, you don't do a good job. Yeah. And you're sending mixed messages. And you're sending mixed messages. And I, I, yeah. it's, uh, I try to really avoid that. And I, I have the luxury. I've been in business 21 years. I'm starting my 22nd year, I think, next month, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I did a lot of legwork and I remember a client told me they met me, a, I saw him about three years ago. Going, I remember when I met you, you were so energetic. <laughs> oh my God. I really A-A-D-D-H, what all those letters are. <laughs> That's what that is. Right. Anyway, I did a lot of foundation work with speaking and I was lucky and I won awards and got in the right. paper and all of that really helped me build a good marketing foundation that has lasted uh, for a long time. Now what's happening in the last, say, four years, all of that words and text on my website is now getting the search engines. Yeah. And I do yeah. not pay for SEO. Yeah. Articles are my SEO. Yeah, I think the, the, the inspiration you can have for others is you have to be comfortable in your own skin. Yes. And to do that, you have to get out there and and figure out what your voice is. And it sounds like you did that you know, several years ago. You took the risk and you started talking and you may not have said the right thing at the, all, all the time, but eventually you said you figured out who you were and you got comfortable being that person. And that's, that's challenging for people to do. You know, it's, it not, it's not, it's not, it's easier said than done. It is. 
it, the speaking thing, and, and trust me, I'm not, uh, I'm not the best speaker and I'm bad grammar and I'm from the South and, you know, it's right. just, it is what it is. Uh, there, someone described right. me as very folksy and witty. One of the, that gave me a, a testimony. I'm like, wow, that is really accurate. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, but here's the thing, when I speak, I am there to give the, those people that are attending all the information that I have. I don't hold back. I don't worry that they're not going to hire me. I'm just there to teach them. And actually, I'm giving another two workshops here in uh, January and February. And it's uh, one is how, how to interview, uh, how to hi- interview and hire architects and residential designers for your project. And um, the other one is how to interview and hire contractors. And I am so busy, I don't need any work from that. I'm not doing that right. to really get any right. work. I'm doing that to help homeowners make better decisions. I really care because I think homeowners kind of get taken advantage of in some ways. There's so much they don't know. So they don't know what, what what's going on out there. It's yeah. it's uh it's a very uh, cloak and dagger industry. It's it's you don't yeah. I, I will say I don't know how to this. answer that. Architects. I feel do a horrible job telling homeowners and the public what they do. It's like a secret almost. Yeah. Uh, And their profession would benefit from educating homeowners and, and not talking down to them. There's a, there's a disconnect between architects and homeowners. There's such a disconnect and uh, I'm not here to solve it. I had a professor that his brother is a residential architect. He always said to me, I don't know if, if working on ha- designing houses is architecture. So he was posing that to me. It's something that's different. And I never really fully explored that, but I do see that there is something fundamentally different between designing a hospital or a museum and designing somebody's house. Yeah. I mean, how much design is on a addition to a brick ranch or a historic home? I've done some really modern design homes. I've done some, one that I'm very proud of and won an award for it. It's like a dwell modern house, but but Mm -hmm. how did that happen? It happened because the owner slash builder wanted something different. Right. And we worked together on coming up with all these great, wonderful details that he was, he would execute the way I put them together. You have to have a team I had a historic home design, a brand new historic home, and it's one of my best historic craftsman home design. The clients relinquished control over the exterior of the house and gave it to me and the interior designer. And so they wanted the best historic design they could get, and they trusted me. You know, even at times when the paint colors were like, we don't know about these paint colors. And I just said, in my mind, I'm going, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going, I trust the interior designer. She's great. Yeah. Because uh, I don't select colors. And I'm like, it'll be fine. <laughs> and so it was fine. I, as in every yeah. step I saw it painted on the house, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what she's doing now. It's going to be great. Because the owner approached me twice to uh, say no to the paint colors. Right. But that was not my expertise. And I trust the right. interior designer, but they, knew that I could bring the hammer down if I wanted to, because I was the number one person in that process. So, right. but again, I trusted the interior designer, like the clients trusted me. Right. Kind of thing. So. Yeah. I kind of have always thought that it's really the owner's responsibility to know 
what they want. And that's really hard to, it's really hard to, to say to an owner that you need to know what you want before you start finding people to give you that. Because you have to find people that align with what you want so much that once you find them, you can trust them enough for them to give that to you. Right, right. And you, that's kind of what you were talking about with this historic home is that person knew what they wanted, but they came to you, they built that trust, and then they were able to relinquish that decision-making to you because they trusted you. Right, because every decision I make on a project is in the best interest of the client. It has right. nothing to do with me. Right. And, and there are times when I underbid something, but I feel like I can't go back and charge anymore, and I have to painstakingly finish it and make a little less money, or I've got to drive over, you know, there's just things, it doesn't happen often, but every now and then I just have to do what I, and follow through, and not do it again, <laughs> not right. <mistake> again. <laughs> so I think for me, a lot of people, most of my work is through referral work, and, mm -hmm. um, and so that's the best, but again, I'm getting more calls for inquiries from the internet, you know, I have those automated forms on my website because like you just need to be able to get the information when you sign up and it shoots it to you. You can read four pages of whatever it is and again, have an opportunity to decide to hire me or not to hire me or right. me. I want people to really think about all those things and this and, and you know, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot for a homeowner to go through this process. Right. But it's important process because it, it enrolls them into the, into working with you. Right. They have homework. Right. They've made that decision before they get to you. I swear they, they've already hired yeah. me before I've even talked to them. Yeah. The way I've done the website and I have to say, I didn't really know. Yeah, talk to me a little bit through that process. Maybe that'd be great to share. Well, I mean, Theor not, not exactly how it's working now, but theoretically how it works. Cause it may not, you may want to change it, but it needs to be updated. And um, there's some articles that need to be updated. I need to put more articles on there. It's, it's gotta be, you know, every 10 years mm -hmm. I redo it, but anyway, the gist of it's there. And, and so with that updated, I don't want to take those articles off because again, I'm getting a lot of traction hits there, but um, basically it, it came a reason it came about more than anything is that I was, on the phone saying the same thing over and over and over again, or being at a client's house saying the same thing over and over. I'm like, this is crazy. And so I created a, it's about 16 pages PDF of, of the, the residential design process of adding on to your home. And I talk about the phases and I talk about engineers and surveyors and that needs to be updated too, but it gives them the whole process so they can, then, and then I give them an email that's probably a page long email. Again, it talks about the process. I put links in there about where you can see my portfolio, testimonials, maybe an address to look at a project. I give them all of that up front. And so their homework is to read through that. And they, they get that information when they sign up a form um, on my website which is where I was trying to cut down all of my emailing because then I have to turn around. I have a phone call. Someone would call. We'd talk, say the same thing over. And then I'd, I'd send that email to them. Right. That just cut out a lot of what I was doing. 
And when I did that and I gave them all that information up front and they it was automated, it saved me so much time. I was just trying to be efficient, just tired of repeating myself. Mm -hmm. And what I need to do now, and this is the next phase of this, is I've given them the general information, but it's a lot of information. So, so let's say we're a month or two into the project and they've kind of forgotten where they are. I need to have little mini videos, links that I could send to them that just reminds them of what's happening, what's going on for the clients that's already hired me. Right. That's a, that's a great service. Yeah. But that's a service for them and you at the same time. Right. It saves me time. Right. And so I, I look at every, so I'm a, would be a very good production worker. I look at all the things that I can eliminate, or if I can eliminate 20 clicks a day while I'm drawing and designing, right. that saves me time. Right. So I look at that and I'm thinking, I, how can I save some time? So that's how right. that came about. Right. And I just learned about setting that up online. I, I'll tell you, uh, right. Pat Flynn is a good one to follow. Okay. Uh, there's a couple that are really honest, true sure. people. Um, so there's a few that you just go learn what they're doing. Now they may be selling a book, right? but you can apply that to your I know sometimes people think they can apply simple things to like an architectural firm, but you can. Right. And I have seen some architects firm that sends out a design development program and they talk about that. Mm -hmm. I have seen that on some architects. Yeah. I think there's a fine line between, well, I think I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the PDF or the stuff that you're sending out, is general in a sense, but it's specific to the type of work that you are going to be involved in. So you're not trying to solve the problem for somebody building a renovation on an island in, in Puerto Rico, or even in, you're not trying to solve my build in Boston. You're regional. And I think that's an advantage to the people that are finding you as they recognize that it's, that it fits, that fits their model. Right. I, and, and as the busier I get, the circle moves in smaller around me. Smaller, yeah. Because I, I have to manage my time as a one-person firm, and I don't have time to drive 40 minutes or even 30 minutes, and traffic's getting worse and worse in Nashville. So I really keep it, as, as long as I have work, I keep that radius in small. I know that can be scary, and it sometimes it does scare me, but I think, well, I have been busy my entire 21 years here. One of my friends, Susan, one time we were at a big meeting and she was, she came over and talked to me. She goes, that person over there just did your spiel about who you are and what you do. And if you can get it down to a science, then other people just spew that. And Susan was like, that was so great. I piped in there and agreed with her. But I, so for, I'll give you an example. I think with architects, and I don't, I don't want to be bashing architects. I have architect friends. So I, you know, they provide a great service. Yeah. I can't do all the work and do, don't want to do all the work. So, yeah. But I learned going through all these marketing and branding meetings and stuff is that people need to be able to understand what you do and not, you don't have to be correct. Like I, if people don't know what I do and I say a residential design, I say, I draw blueprints. And they're like, oh, I know what that is. Well, I don't draw blueprints, but do you want to be right and use a big word or do you right. want people to know what you do and then turn around and tell everybody around them? I mean, that's my philosophy. And, and architects have created a lot of words that people don't understand. 
fenestration. Yeah. It's a window or door. And so I deliberately don't use those words unless I was in a few years, uh, several years ago, I was doing a speaking presentation in Oklahoma area. And the, the, the educated experts there wanted me to keep using the word infill. And I said, homeowners don't know what that word means. I said, I need to say new house into a lot. I said, I'll, I'll say infill every so often to start to educate them on what that means, but I right. just use that word all the time. And so they, they kind of miss, some people miss the boat with that, the language, and then you create a barrier between if I don't understand a word when someone's speaking and I don't understand the words and the terms I automatically just step back going I don't know what that means oh my god right must not be very smart or let me look that up let me write and it it distracts from the whole conversation I feel Mm, that's a really good point I think I do that a lot I got it well I mean as a I mean that's why that's why people hire me is because I speak the same language as the architect and the builder but to be very, I got to be more conscious talking to owners that I can't use that language because it can be confusing. There are a lot, there's a ton of acronyms um, and it is hard to actually find real words for some of these things too. Yeah. And if I use, since, I mean, again, I'm not educated. I'm, it's just, it's very simple <laughs> and easy for me. And people might think that it's a derogatory, but no, I, I did feel bad about it about 10 years ago, I did feel bad that I didn't have all this education. And finally, it occurred to me is that um, that's why I'm successful is because I can talk everybody's language. I can talk to the architects, I can talk to the contractors, and I can talk to the homeowners, and I'm like a bridge. And and then I can get everybody together and we can all get on the same page. Right. You know, and I then I was like, wow, this is a benefit for me. I'll give you one more example of this. This must have been 2014, maybe, because I spoke in Oklahoma in two different cities, two different times and was paid for it. I saw on a forum where the the city of Oklahoma was looking for speakers for historic design, historic renovations and new house. And, and they were looking for architects. That's what they said. Mm-hmm. And um I just got bold and I, I sent a, an email with my portfolio and, and speaking stuff. I sent the email and then I called and uh, I didn't get the person I got their answer mission. I said, Hey, I just want, you know, I speak about different things. I've emailed you, but you know, if you're looking for an architectural academic, it's not me. I'm a lay person and I speak the lay terms of homeowners and contractors and bringing them together. So yeah, if you're just looking for an academic architectural speaker, that's not me. And <laughs> give me a call if you're interested. I got that job. That's where it paid off because yeah. they also had an architect come in who was academic. It was a big difference yeah. in our presentations. Yeah, I mean, a big difference. So I know who I am and I know what I want to do. And so, you know, I, it's very important for business owners to know that in any field.
Thanks for listening to my conversation with Lynn. She's amazing. I'm going to keep watching what she does. I've got a lot to learn from her. This is the first episode for season two, and I've got a lot in store for this year. So please keep subscribing to this podcast and keep an eye out for some future podcasts I'm going to be doing with some other very interesting people. Thanks again. (laughs) 